Talk and Pray for Life and Business, faith-based personal development courses and coaching, tapping into our best life. Hi, I'm Mary Lou Cassida for Talk and Pray, and it took me a while to settle into myself. Do you know the feeling? Capable, ambitious, but wanting more, more impact, more success, more satisfaction? Me too. I've been a mompreneur and now maturepreneur. How do you like that term? (laughs) And I have a lifetime of experience, work, family, love, and loss that combined with the truth of scripture have taught me valuable lessons. I have a passion to share that wisdom with women of faith who want more. Welcome to Talk and Pray for Life and Business. Another day in the life. It almost got by me. I went through the whole day busy and working with a bunch of ladies at a retreat. And when the activities of the day had ended, and I finally sat down and looked at the calendar, I realized, oh, it's that day. It slipped up on me and I hadn't realized. The significance of the day began 30 years ago between two ice storms. Southeastern Kentucky is not south enough to be paralyzed by snow and ice, but also not north enough to be truly efficient in bad weather. As the new year arrived in 1994, predictions called for a difficult couple of weeks with layer upon layer of ice and snow. I was a little worried. We had an appointment, not quite carved in stone, but certainly inevitable, and I was afraid I'd get stuck at home and not be able to go. We made arrangements with my brother who had a four-wheel drive vehicle to help us get out and back home if the inclement weather worked against us. On January 6, 1994, Samuel Aaron Cassida made his way into the world between ice storm number one and ice storm number two, which came when he was a week old and kept our house without power for two weeks and sent us scurrying to my mother's house where a wood-burning stove would keep our newborn warm and well. And from the beginning, we knew this kid was a whole new adventure. His older sister, Emily, had been the sweetheart of a baby and child. Already three years old when Sam arrived, she was a bookworm and self-contained and self-entertaining. It was pretty clear that this kid could raise herself. She's still like that today, efficient, strategic, practical, but artistic. I've always said that she's the best of both Jeff and me, his discipline, my artistic creative bend, good people skills of both of us. Sam, it was clear, was going to be a lover, not a fighter. Unlike Emily, who was affectionate but didn't require constant interaction and attention, Sam would crawl up into our laps and squeeze our necks with hugs. If I was distracted or concentrating on something, he would take my face into his two little hands and turn it toward his. And when he learned to kiss, he practiced a lot on our faces. He was rambunctious, too. Emily could sit in a corner with her little books and babies and while away an entire afternoon. Sam bounced off the walls, a total boy fascination, with all things sports and balls and action. He slid into my sister-in-law's steel door while running with his cousin and tore a gash in his forehead that seeped for days. We were too dumb to think it might need stitches. It wasn't bleeding that bad. (laughs) He lived, and we quipped that brain damage might be a possibility. He was just so affable. My children asked me one time which one of them I thought was most likely to end up on drugs. (laughs) Yes, this is the kind of dark humor my family talks about. I'm doing a face palm right now, shaking my head. 
My answer? All y'all, Emily, brilliant but naive, will be slipped a roofie and off she'll go. Will, analytical overthinker, will need anxiety meds. And Sam, always a member of the Yuck Yuck Club, will say, sure, why not? I'll try anything with you guys. Dark humor aside, none of my children experimented with drugs, thank you, Lord. Sam's fun-loving, affable personality carried him through homeschool, little league, sports, remember, Bible camp and summer missions, a boot camp running club, and service at church. He was a favorite of everybody. As we were looking ahead to college, he worried that he was not, quote, smart like Emily. Emily, who could sleep with a book under her pillow and absorb knowledge by osmosis, was Sam's hero. No, Sam, I told him, you have to work harder than Emily to succeed academically. But God gave you amazing people skills and a work ethic that won't quit. You're going to have a great life. And so he did until May 23, 2011. We woke up on a beautiful Monday morning in May with Sam breathing his last. He'd run six miles the day before, rested after church, laughed and played, and got ready for projects he and his dad would knock out the next day. And for no ascertainable physical reason, no illness, no physical defect, no crazy spider bite or anaphylactic allergic reaction, nothing that we could identify, our boy died. His heart just stopped, and he was gone home to be with the Lord in a matter of a moment. How could it be that this beautiful, funny, friendly, loving kid could be gone so soon? We had plans. Jeff had been deployed, and he returned home just weeks before Sam passed. We'd planned for another year with him at home, and college visits, and driver's license, and summer missions, and because of Sam's love for God and for people, I, for one, and I think many others, thought he'd end up in ministry, so very effective because he was authentic and present, so loving, so devoted to Jesus and to others. Yet now, he was gone. And late Saturday evening, this year, I remembered that he would be 30 years old if he were with us. It's his birthday, and that day bookended with May 23, 2011, and constituted a whole life. Seventeen years seems like far too few, but he used them well. He wasn't perfect by any stretch, but he lived with love and joy. One friend said of him that he was the finest example of a Christian young man that he had ever known, and last year he named his son after Sam. Sam's best friend said that Sam loved without filters. That's what made him like Jesus. As we stood in the ER saying our goodbyes to Sam, Jeff, my husband and Sam's father, said, Now, we know what we believe. We know where Sam is. From this moment forward, we walk what we talk. And that was our marching orders, not just from my military husband, but from the Lord. Grief is a funny thing. As I write this morning, a line from Carl Sandburg poem comes to mind. The fog comes on little cat feet. Grief comes on little cat feet. It sneaks up on you, and sometimes it's soft and gentle. Other times it has claws. Even after over a dozen years, there are days I laugh with joy at the memories and days I cry with the missing. I count my beautiful son among the things that I have committed to God's keeping until the day that I see him again. 
as Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.12, and in my head I hear it in the King James Version, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Even more, though, I believe in the power of the resurrection. Of course, I believe in the resurrection to come. Paul talks about it at length in 1 Corinthians 15. Listen to what he says. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-8 NIV. Paul continues to reason through the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. Then he breaks it down further in verses 36-38, through 38, this time in the New Living Translation. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. I know Paul is talking about the new body we'll receive when Jesus returns, but I'm going to make a radical or so it feels to me, a radical assertion. Resurrection isn't just for when Jesus comes. I believe that in God's perfect garden, Sam was planted as a seed, and seeds have to die before they can produce the beautiful flowers and fruit that we see, the things that inspire us, that enrich our lives, and bring us to knowledge of God. And so Sam's life continues. It's a different kind of life now, invisible without eyes of faith, but present if you look. From the moment we knew he was absent from the body, we stepped into faith that God never wastes a life and he never wastes a death. We walk out Hebrews 11.1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we started looking for evidence, evidence that Sam's life mattered, counted, and the impact of which we couldn't possibly fathom this side of heaven. His life has become story, the kind of story that changes the world, sown as a seed in death, raised in his legacy of a life well lived. His eternal life didn't begin on May 23rd. It began the moment he surrendered to follow Jesus. His life is absent from us now, but it is present with the Lord. His story isn't over. It continues to be written. A friend told me about a Q&A session with Dr. David Jeremiah. I've never verified the story, so I may get it wrong, but it goes something like this. During the Q&A, someone asked Dr. Jeremiah why we had to wait till the end of time for the judgment. A person dies. They return to God who made them. Why not do the whole judgment thing then and avoid the long lines at the end of time? (laughs) That's such a first world problem kind of question, isn't it? Can we make the lines a little shorter, Jesus? Our resurrection feet are killing us. (laughs) 
Dr. Jeremiah's response, so my friend told me, was this. You cannot possibly judge the quality of a life at the end of it, because everything we do and say ripples out into eternity with each person who knew us and was affected by our time on earth. Our legacy continues long after we die. Only when time is no more and every life has been lived can we fully know the full impact of your life and life story. Paul concludes his chapter on the resurrection. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we'll all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. And when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Happy birthday, Sam. Another day in your life. I miss you and I'm proud of you. I can't wait to be with you in person again. Leave the light on for us, son. We'll be along shortly. Father, thank you for the victory you give us over death. To be absent from the body is to be present with you. And because of your resurrection, our lives are not limited to the number of years in this mortal body. Our legacy is not limited to the dash between the dates of birth and death. You have given us the power over death, resurrection power, through your Holy Spirit. The hope we have is for this life now. Eternity is now. Thank you that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we will never die. Father, help us make every moment count. Our story will outlive us. Let us be faithful so that the story points to Jesus, so that the impact is eternal, so that we can hear the sweet words I know Sam has heard from you. Well done, good and faithful servant. And help us as we grieve, Lord, for those we love that have gone ahead. Give us eyes of faith to see them living in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Check the show notes for a blog post I did the day that Sam died, May 23, 2011. The link will be there in the show notes. Um, if you'd like more information about Talk and Pray for Life and Business, as always, go to talkandpray.us. Thank you for listening to Talk and Pray for Life and Business. To learn more about the podcast and to get today's transcript, notes, and other content, go to talkandpray.us slash podcast. Join me every Tuesday for more Talk and Pray. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave a positive review if you'd like to hear more content like this. 
This Talk and Pray podcast is sponsored by Talk and Pray for Life and Business, faith-based personal development courses and coaching. Music is In the Field by audionautics.com. Look for Talk and Pray on Facebook and Instagram.